Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're starting Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to be doing Matthew chapter 12 over the course of a couple days because there's just a lot to unpack. If you're just joining us, I'd invite you to go back to the beginning of this series. We're doing an introduction to the Gospels. We're walking through the book of Matthew, one chapter in a day, sometimes a little more than a, a day. We do it over a couple days because I want to give you some insight into the history of the culture and the background of what we're learning. We're also doing a companion show now called the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast, where we're taking the same content and we're explaining it in a way that kids can understand. We have developed family discussion guides and daily journaling prompts. All of those are found on our Patreon page. The link is in the bio. And then if you're feeling like you need something a little bit extra, you need some one-on-one, you have some questions about one of these topics, you can always grab me for some spiritual direction or life coaching. You can go to shehears.org for information about that. So we're in Matthew chapter 12, and I'm reading from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible today. It says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. Now when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into the synagogue, and man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might bring charges against him? But he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable that is a person than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. So today we're talking about this principle of the Sabbath. And if you're not aware, you know, sometimes people just think of Sabbath as, okay, that Sundays we don't work on Sundays. It's, you know, Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A are closed and they don't really understand the Sabbath principle. But in this Jewish culture, which is who Matthew was originally writing to, they would have understand that the Sabbath principle was paramount to their way of life because God had given that Sabbath principle, that Sabbath day as a day of rest and holiness to God. And so the fourth commandment specified that no work should be performed on the Sabbath and that day would be kept holy to honor God. 
So over time, the Sabbath became one of the most recognizable characteristics of the Jewish people. That along with things like their dietary laws, like they won't eat pork and their issue with circumcision. And so it, it became one of those identifying factors, how closely they hold to the Sabbath that really defined them as a culture. And so the legal mandate not to work had to be interpreted for the people, and the Pharisees had developed this extensive set of laws to guide them so that they would not violate the Sabbath. Now, remember, what we've been learning throughout Matthew is sometimes it's not the issue itself. It's the interpretation of the issue. The Sabbath principle was God's design as a gift to the Israel people. But the way that the Pharisees were interpreting it, they were making it so much harder than it had to be. And so it says at that time, Jesus went through the green fields on the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 16, there is a standard set for what travel should look like on the Sabbath. And it basically is telling people not to go out in order to be able to just rest on the Sabbath. And so there were different sections of Judaism that interpreted it differently. The Qumran community, they said, well, what that means is you can't walk more than 1000 cubits outside of the city. And the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, they said it a little bit differently. They said it was a combination of a thousand cubits to travel a distance of 2000 cubits. And basically there was 3000 feet or about half a mile that they were allowed to walk on the Sabbath. And again, that is not necessarily from scripture. It's just these laws that they had made to interpret the scripture. And so it says in verse one that his disciples were hungry and they began to pick some heads and grain and eat them. Now, this by and of itself was not necessarily a problem because the law made provision for people who were hungry in their culture. They could eat from their neighbor's field. In fact, it said, if you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. Basically, what they're saying is if you're hungry, go in the field and eat. There is an allowance for that within their culture. Even at that time, they would not harvest all the way to the edges of the field. They will leave the edges of the field unharvested so that the poor or the hungry or the widows or people that were traveling, orphans, any of those people could come and have that food available to them. So the issue wasn't necessarily that they were going to get the food. The issue was, is that the Pharisees were saying, well, now you're working on the Sabbath. You're working to harvest that grain. Because what do they say? They say in verse two, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. So basically they were saying there was issues that they had interpreted as part of that law that they weren't allowed to plow or reap or bind or use the threshing floor or clean the crops or grind them or sifting, which to be perfectly honest, in order to process that food to eat it, the disciples would have been guilty of several of those in the eyes of the Pharisees. And so even though there was this allowance for them to go get the food that they need, the Pharisees are saying, nope, you can't process any of that grain. And you can't, once you pluck that grain head, you, you know, you can't separate the chaff from the grain. Otherwise you're violating the Sabbath. They literally would have had to do that just to eat the food. So it's kind of a catch 22. But again, it's not a God made law. It's a man made law. And so Jesus goes and he responds to them, reminding them of David. And he is reminding them that there was a situation where David, which they hold David in high esteem, David, he gave bread to his men to eat from the consecrated men 
of the the temple, the priests, they had consecrated bread that nobody was supposed to touch. But David justified that by saying that his men were on a holy mission. And so the implication there is that there should be a way to exonerate Jesus and the disciples because of the nature of the mission they were on. They were serving the mission of Jesus, who's not even greater than the son of David, but he is God himself. He's the one that created the law and the one that's able to interpret the law. And so he's basically saying the disciples are innocent of this charge of violating the law of the Sabbath principle. And then, of course, Jesus goes on and he talks about how he is one that is even greater than the temple, and they don't necessarily recognize that yet. And so he's trying to make that point with them. Again, he's given them all of these chances to see it. It's just they're blind to it. And then he goes down to say in verse 7, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so what Matthew does as he's pointing this out in, in this passage of scripture is he's drawing upon Hosea chapter six for the second time. He also did it back in chapter nine. And he's reflecting on this idea of how Jesus is prioritizing mercy and compassion. And that's in line with this prophetic message in the Old Testament. And so he's applying that to this accusation that the Pharisees are making against the disciples and Jesus. And so what he's doing, what Matthew is doing is he's helping remind them the compassion towards the disciples because they have a need, because they're hungry, they need subsistence, they need food to keep going as they are doing their kingdom ministry work. That is more important than the way that the Pharisees are interpreting and even applying these Sabbath principles. And then Jesus talks about how they're innocent. He said, you would not have condemned the innocent. And basically what Matthew is pointing out is that Jesus has essentially exonerated the disciples against the charge that the Pharisees are trying to throw at them. And Jesus is, is claiming these men are innocent. And, you know, I think about this in terms of sometimes when you are on a kingdom mission and you are doing what Jesus has called you to do, there are religious leaders and people around you, even Christians, that will not be supportive. And if anything, they might even tell you that you're sinning because you might be doing it on a Sunday. And my goodness, Jesus is saying, that's not the case. The case is, is they need to eat because they have work to do that I've called them to do. And it reminds me, I just keep hearing that phrase over and over in my mind that we serve an audience of one, that the call of God on our lives is the primary most important thing. And it doesn't matter what anyone around us is saying, as long as we're in line with what God is calling us to do. And then in verse eight, where it says the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. What this shows us is that Jesus is not challenging the Sabbath principle. Instead, he's challenging the Pharisees' interpretation of the Sabbath principle. And one of the things that Jesus is trying to explain to them and help them understand is the Sabbath principle was always intended to be a gift for the benefit of Israel. The Sabbath command was given for the people, not vice versa. And they are just simply not seeing that fact. They go on to say in verse 10, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because in the teachings of the rabbis, they only allowed any kind of healing in extreme cases of life and death. And so if somebody had, like they said, if somebody had a pain in their throat, they could drop medicine into his mouth on the Sabbath because there was some doubt over whether or not his life was in danger. And if his life was in danger, well, then that would override the Sabbath principle. 
And what their perspective was, was this man who had this withered hand had likely had that problem for quite a while. So he wasn't in danger, immediate danger, and he could wait to the next day. But I think it's interesting because Jesus doesn't even touch that man. You know, they're debating whether or not medicine could be applied. And Jesus, he didn't apply any medicine. He didn't even lay hands on the man and he healed them. And yet they're still pointing fingers and accusing Jesus. That, you know, he talks about, you know, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, would you not get it out of the pit? Well, to be perfectly honest, some of them wouldn't. Not only would they not help an animal, sometimes by their law, if a man fell into a pit, if a man fell down and got hurt, they wouldn't even help them out until the next day. And by then it could have been too late. That's how strictly they're holding on to this law, this interpretation of the law. And Jesus is saying, hold on a minute. That is not what this is about. And so it's interesting because at the very end of all of this, the Pharisees, it says they went and they were conspiring against him. They had very little political power in this time frame. And they really couldn't do anything other than just plot against him. They they did not have the power to enforce a death penalty in this period, although the law of Moses allowed for the death penalty for somebody that violated the Sabbath principle. But the Pharisees themselves would violate that principle depending on the situation. And the interesting thing is the biblical argument there is that they could be lenient, especially with death sentences when they were talking about something like this. And instead of them being lenient, the issue is not the actual law. The issue is their heart because they're using that as an excuse to come after Jesus because they themselves would have stretched that if it really meant life or death or healing for somebody else. Super interesting. And you know, one of the things I thought about this was a period of my life where I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I used to have something wrong with my vision. Now I had 2020 vision. So if I had a test at the doctor's office or something, you could not tell that there's anything wrong with my vision. However, my entire life, I've always run into things, run into walls, run into furniture. I can't even tell you how many times I've broken my toes because it's not like the walls move, but I always run into them. And I would just say, oh, I'm just a really clumsy person. Well, it wasn't until I went to a particular eye doctor who was helping me figure out some other things that I had going on where he started to doing doing some tests on me. And he said, there's something wrong with the way that your brain is interpreting the images. And so long story short, I went through a series of different kinds of glasses and the way that my brain was interpreting images, it was like everything was pitched forward. And so my place, the way that my body and my brain interpreted my body in the space that I was in, everything was pitched forward. And so when I was walking, things were not really where they were, where my eyes could see them. They were in a certain location, but my eyes interpreted them as being in a different pitch or a different location and it affected everything. I mean, I would get headaches all the time, but it also would affect me running into everything. And so he had me wear these particular lenses and what it did is it flipped things upside down for me and it pitched them backwards. And it wasn't long. It was probably maybe a month or two that I had to wear those glasses and they were clear. It's not like I need them, them for the vision. I needed them for the position. And I was thinking about that when I was reading this, this passage, because we have to understand that the lens by how we view the law is through God's mercy because we know that God is a merciful God. And so if we're holding so tightly to the law, perhaps the issue isn't the law. 
Perhaps the issue is how we're viewing the law, because the heart of the law is God's heart, and that is God's heart for people. He is a merciful God. He is a God of grace. He's a God of compassion. And so when Jesus says, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, he's saying to them, you guys aren't getting it. This healing, this ministry work that's happening, this is more important than any law you could throw down because this is affecting him. And and this healing is what I, as the one who wrote the law, am going to do. And unfortunately, there was a vision problem there. There was a lens problem there. They were looking at everything through this lens of of saying that Jesus violated the law and they were out to get him. And so it's so sad because you just, you can see it as plain as day. And my heart just even is so heavy for the way that they were blind to what Jesus was doing and who he was. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread. We're in Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields onto the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. Now, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he became hungry? He and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion rather than sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might bring charges against him? But he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take a hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, then, is a person than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored to normal like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. Oh, Father God, uh, our heart just aches for the people that are blind to your heart and your compassion and your mercy. God, I pray that you would remove the blinders for those that are around us. As we've been talking about sharing the good news of the gospel message to those around us, God, would you even now prepare their hearts as we think about having those conversations with them? And God, we thank you for the mercy. We thank you for the gift of the Sabbath. We thank you that there is an allowance and a grace for us when we are serving you in the kingdom. And we would recognize where that line is, that it wouldn't even be about plowing the field or doing the heavy lifting, but it would be about people. It would be about your heart for your people that need compassion, that need healing, God, that we would never stray away from doing what you called us to do because of the man-made laws, God, and even the interpretation of your law, because your heart is always for people. God, I thank you for your word, the way you reveal yourself to us through it. I pray for my friends today that you would touch them with a special blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, talk tomorrow. Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt 
worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.